Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Everybody, welcome into the Saturday show. Fun day going on today. We've got a special guest host we'll introduce here in just a moment. I'm Jay Catch. That's Michelle Bodkin. Michelle, what's up? Oh, not much. Just hanging out on a Saturday. Living, living <laughs> life and having fun. Um, you're probably hearing somebody else giggle there, and he would be the one, the only, Kenneth Scott, former University of Utah wide receiver, and now a guy who's got a myriad of interests going on. But, K. Scott, how are you, sir? Ah, oh, man, can't complain. Doing really well. Warm, which is a good thing because it's freezing cold outside. Well, yeah, you um, you're, yeah. you live in Texas, so yep. coming to Utah is a little different in terms of temperature. Yeah, I walked off the plane. Was like, Jesus, you didn't have to abuse me like this weather. <laughs> like, as soon as I stepped off the plane, it just pow. I was like, yeah. Well, the, the nice part is it's actually warmed up a little bit for you. That's yeah. the crazy yeah. thing to say. So that's true. I made sure on this trip to pack some baby oil because usually because the air is dry out here. Sure, and yeah. I'm so used to the humidity moisturizing my skin. And so I had to make sure I packed some baby oil. So if my face is a little shiny this morning, <laughs> that's why. So okay, I need to ask you a question about that because I've actually heard players use baby oil in cold weather. Like just yeah, we'll talk about that at some point. But uh, we also got Sarah producing today, and Shyler also helped. We got a full crew today. We got like six people in studio. Yeah, it's like it's kind of crazy. So (laughs) sorry if I'm a little distracted. I'm training. It's it's okay. No, it's it's good to have everybody here. It's it's not very often in my experience. I've done radio for 13 years now. Not my experience that rarely I have. We have 50 50 on the male to female ratio in studio. Actually, that's pretty impressive. Look at uh, us, girls representing. <laughs> it's a good thing we we need more female representation yeah. in this market. In particular, yeah, I was I excited like. when Shyler got hired because the only girl on the team for a while. Yeah, yeah. hey, you had Michelle. You were standing on. strong. That's true, but like producing wise, yeah. I was the only female. So sure. yeah, no, uh, but. Kenneth, thank you for sitting in. I know two hours out of your day, it, it's a big commitment, but thank you for doing this. So no problem. we're going to have some fun. we got a lot to cover with you on the college football front, Utah football front. we yeah. got a lot on that side. But let's start off. I want the highlight of everybody's week as we typically do. That's how we start each show. So uh-huh. I'll have Michelle fire off first. What was the highlight of your week? Uh, I did a big opinion piece I yesterday, saw that. and it was well-received. Uh, mm-hmm. Some big names that caught their <laughs> attention. I was a little shocked. So I see you. I was... That was kind of cool. <laughs> you don't do a lot of opinion pieces, but I thought it was very well done. Thank you. Yeah, no, that was kind of a first for me. Mm-hmm. I don't typically venture into that realm. I'm much more of a storyteller, but sure. trying mm. new things and it worked. Hey, awesome. <laughs> Kenneth, you're, you're up next. Oh, dang it. <laughs> we have Sarah go next if you no, want. If no, you it's cool. Yeah. No, my highlight of the week, uh, is it okay if I have two? Sure, yeah. Okay. As many as you want. The first one is obviously being able to connect with the guys, sure. the former players, you know, talking a little stuff about NIL strategy-wise. And then the secondly was being able to spend time with the kids last night at a Camp U leadership out in Ogden. Um, so that was pretty fun, you know, even though I lost a couple games in volleyball, and then I'm still – the loss is still lingering with me, but it's okay. <laughs> well, hey, you can't win them all, I suppose, right? <laughs> right, that's true. All right, Sarah slash Shyler, what you guys got? Um, my highlight of the week probably hasn't happened yet. Sunday is my first day off this week, so you that's right. going to be my highlight. Yeah. Finally relaxing after 
Kate, all the tournaments. A lot of people don't know what you do. You you obviously produce Jake and Ben during the week, and a lot yes. of people are like, okay, what's well, no? She also does on the side. She does social media for the Pac-12 network. I do. Mm. So yes. the, with the conference tournaments been going for like a week solid, she's been cutting highlights, posting them, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's been late nights, <laughs> a lot of late nights because they're playing in Central Time, so it's an hour ahead. So I'm off at like midnight, one a.m. Yeah, and then I wake up and. Do it again. Do it again. So it I'm again. excited to have a day off. Absolutely. Uh, highlight of my week: uh, my son is going to play is going to play flag football for the first time. Oh. He's, he's almost five, so and he's he knows what dad does for work. Right. I, I do sports and everything. <laughs> but he, the other day he's like, Dad, um, he's like, we're watching we're watching like one of the football games. He's like, mm-hmm. Can I play that? I'm like, Yeah, we can do that. So we got him, we got him signed up for for flag football for the first time this spring. So man, what position? Uh, we're gonna well, it hasn't started yet. We're gonna find out. So. All right. Well, he, <laughs> if I'm if I'm him, tell him to play quarterback. Oh, I've, get the ball in his hands. Yeah. yeah, come on, get the ball in his hands. Every play, <laughs> get him all signed up. Shyler have one by the way. I went scuba diving. Oh, okay. Jesus. Jeez. All right. Well, hey, that's awesome. Do you do that on the regular? No, it's just a class okay. that we start at this term, but it's it's pretty fun. Very nice. I've never uh, gone scuba diving. Scuba diving? Is that the thing with sharks? Yeah, yeah you can do it with sharks. Sure. <laughs> It can be. Yeah. Oh, you're bold. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's just a pool for right now, but oh, in the pool? we're hoping okay. to take it to the ocean eventually. Yeah. Good luck. It's, that's that's. Okay. <laughs> I went to BYU. Did you? Are you this? Because Charlie, you're still at BYU. Is this a class at BYU? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a class. I missed. Huh. Out, I missed out. Apparently, I don't know. <laughs> I I wouldn't have been interested in that. I, Are you not a water person? Or no, just, I actually mm. am, but I want to be on top of the water. I don't okay. like. Uh, I don't want to be. And fish freak me out, actually. So, like, if we go to a <laughs> restaurant and there's a fish tank, I always have my back turned to it because I cannot. You can't do. I the... can't. They are not relaxing wow. to me. They're anxiety inducing. <laughs> okay. I don't see how people eat the actual fish. Like you know how they, you cook a fish and they actually eat the fish where it's fried and has mm-hmm. the bones and stuff. I don't see how people eat eat that. So, uh, it scares me. <laughs> Okay, I, so I grew up in, here in Utah, mm-hmm. and I had never seen that before. I served an LDS mission in Taiwan. Oh. The first night I got to Taiwan, Kenneth, exactly what you described. It was a fried fish, uh-huh. tail, head, bones, everything. Yeah. everything right there. And they're like, I'm like, I'm like, how in the world are you supposed to eat this thing? Like it's already to bones. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was surprisingly good. But you have to kind of mm. learn how to do it because you have to learn how to work your way around all those. Yeah, bones. yeah, you got to fillet oh. it yourself. It's pretty interesting. This so well, let's talk about that for the Taiwan yeah. mission. Okay. So you, you obviously you play with guys who went on missions, so I think you have at least yeah. baseline knowledge. So what was your experience like? Like, no, I think I guess that's Japan. Well, Taiwan. Ta- Taiwan's right next to Japan. Pretty okay. Close, how's right? the sushi? Because I'm a sushi lover. Fantastic. Best, mm. of, best I've ever had. Mm. So when you come out here, you're like, come on, man. Y'all can do a little better on the sushi. Well, we've actually, as a state here in Utah, they've mm-hmm. actually upgraded quite a bit in the last little Ooh. bit. So I'm a sushi guy. Yeah. I'm not, okay. I, I don't usually do the raw type uh-huh. sushi. Sure. I have to have some type of fried in it. That's fine. Whether it's yeah. uh, chicken. I had a, the chicken spring roll. Those are delicious. But yeah. uh, I'm coming on the corner of, in regards to getting more raw in regards to sushi. Sashimi is what you're looking at. The, the, the more raw stuff, yeah, no, I do it. That that can, that can be a little interesting at times. I'll, I'll say that. All right, so let's actually get into the nuts and bolts of today's show. But uh, Kenneth, I want to start here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you've been gone from Utah for a little while now. Yeah. So I'm just gonna throw it open to you. What have you been doing? Dang, don't age me like this. <laughs> Jesus. Well, hey, hey, I feel old having you here as a former player. I, yeah. I, I remember watching you in college and everything. Jesus. So. You know it's crazy to speak on that piece uh-huh. around the aging. You know, the Camp U leadership, when I uh, went and spoke to it last night, mm-hmm. one of the kids, he sent me a picture this morning of when I was coaching him at a youth camp at Utah uh, 12 years ago. Oh, jeez, okay. And I was like, <laughs> this is crazy. I feel really old. But nonetheless, <laughs> Uh, regarding about what I've been doing, uh-huh. so obviously I got a couple books out there um, titled Pressure No Match for Purpose, and that's really about just navigating student-athletes to building, leveraging, and utilizing their brands. And then secondly, um, I love storytelling. Just like how Michelle says she loves storytelling, sure. I love flash fiction, anything that's under a 1,000 words. Yeah. I love those type of uh, writings, and so that's what I do to them in my spare time. Um, and then, obviously, I go out and speak, which mm-hmm. is pretty doggone cool. I do music, um, okay. and so I'm getting ready for a project probably later on this year on the drop. And then now I just signed a contract to, like, coach. And so coach in regards to uh, intimate partner and domestic violence uh, okay. relationship. So 
instead of there's a lot of services out there in regards to the victims of domestic violence, but there's no education or resources to help the harm doers to mitigate that from port reform mitigate exactly. Yeah. So they brought me in to build healthy relationships with the harm doers so that we can negate them doing that to the victim. So um, that's something I'm passionate about, just giving back in any way that I can, whether it's to the kids, you know, intimate partner relationships, things of that nature. So um, that's what I've been doing lately. That's impressive. That that last part's really impressive, actually. I've always thought that that's a Mm -hmm. big big fatal flaw in how we handle things. Uh, And uh, I think there is a stigma that the harm doers are bad people, and I don't think that's always the case. Sometimes it is, mm-hmm. but like I, I think it's a rehab issue. Yeah. And this is coming from, this is me t- speaking on behalf of my psych degree. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but that's really cool. Uh, talk about being back around your old uh-huh. stomping grounds. What, what is that? I mean, you come back pretty frequently now. Yeah. There was kind of a period where you hadn't been back for a long time and that's true the last like year or two you've been back quite a bit yeah it's been kind of euphoric in a way because i'm going in different places that i used to go to when i was that 17 year old kid that came here now i'm 30 i'm aging myself but you know going back (laughs) and getting those feelings again from when i was at the dorms it's like man i remember walking these halls and you know you know my, my roommates at the time like terrell reese you know rest in peace and i'm like dang i remember him you know and just different, you know, players. And I'm like, man, just being back here makes me want to uh, come back often so I can connect back with the former players because it seems like once we disperse out to the real world, we kind of lose touch with each other. And so my goal from, you know, being here this week, and I was like, man, when I come back, what I want to do is, hey, let's, hey, bro, let's go have lunch together, you know, type of thing. So today I'm having lunch with Jacoby and, and, and Tyron Morris, um, you know, just to get that – locker room feeling back again you mm-hmm. know that was was gone for so long especially people being out of state and so forth so um yeah it's been euphoric coming back here uh meeting my friends that got me into the music scene like i i went to my guy mike um who's down at spy hop he's the director of education and you know he was showing me his kids that are uh, producing these tracks on the instrumentals and stuff like that and i'm like man this is a beautiful thing like what he's doing for the community and so uh, it's just been great coming back and something I'm going to continuously do, you know, to try to give back and things of that nature. And um, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent, but there's one more guy that I want to shout out. His name's Tua. And what he does is debt relief program for school lunches. And so I want to be a part of that, too. It's like help. Basically, when I come back, my main focus and goal is like, OK, how can I give back? And so that's that's why I want to come here more often to do that. Now. You're a guy who, you didn't, as far as I'm aware, you didn't have much of a connection to Utah before getting here. Mm-mm. Like, can you just, for fans that may not remember, what mm-hmm. brought you to Utah in the first place? Like, <laughs> the recruiting yeah. process for you, essentially. Yeah, so uh, Aaron Roderick, uh, that's my guy, man. Not down at BYU's I or love Aaron Roderick. Yeah. Like, he's the ultimate, like, on my pillar of guys that I love the most, he's up there. Because mm-hmm. I remember my freshman year in high school, he was recruiting a senior wide receiver who... I basically emulated my game after. He was like, hey, when I come back and it's your time, I'm coming for you. You're going to be a Utah Ute. And he kept his word, and and that's why I felt so comfortable at the age of 16 committing to him. And so um, when I looked at it from my standpoint, athletically I felt like, oh, it's going to be a good position. They just got out of the Sugar Bowl. They run a spread offense. He's saying I could play in the first year. I'm like, as a receiver, oh, man, that's a dream. Mm-hmm. And and during that time, Jordan Wynn was Jordan Wynn. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this is money. And we're talking about moving into Pac-12, and we're throwing the ball like this? Oh, yeah, I'm coming. And then, obviously, academically, it was great. Uh, socially, I knew it was going to be something to where I was going to have to adjust to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was okay for me because I wanted to get different exposure in that regards because, you know, my community, my area is minority-driven. And people thought I was crazy. And it was like, you're going to Utah? Like, do you know? I'm like, yeah, no, I wasn't committed. Uh, my mom was peed off, though, um, initially. She was like, how did she call Coach? How dare you take a, a commitment from a 16-year-old? But, like, you know, he won her over because he, she, you know, me and my stepfather, like, told her, like, hey, like, this is going to be a good move for me. Like, I can mm-hmm. finally be out on my own and, like, learn life. And so, um, culturally, the team is so diverse. Um, I'm to the guys. And then, obviously, you know, it wasn't too far away from home, and I could still come back. And being that players were from California, I could take rides with them to here. You know, so it's just all that, man. And the scene, I love the college town feel. And, you know, it's better than a USC or UCLA because you're just a number to them. 
here I'm actually a person. And that's what I felt uh, as soon as I stepped on campus. Everybody loved me, and uh, and I can't thank them enough. So in regards to the recruiting process, uh, that's one of the reasons why I chose Utah. And I still remember when um, Coach Ride was like, hey, there's this receiver by the name of Freddie Brown okay. that I want you to – watch every highlight of his because that's who you're going to be like. And so I studied Freddie Brown to the T. I literally got all his stats from every year, receptions, yards, touchdowns, and wrote it on a goal sheet because I felt like in order for me to feel accomplished when I leave Utah, I had to have beaten every category of his records because that's who, you know, they compared me to. And I'm such a competitor. And so, you know, once I – the first thing I did once I heard that he had a moniker, downtown Freddie Brown, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, how can I – have a moniker myself so that when people, when I leave, people could still think of me and remember me. And so that was one of the big things that I did. And so that's kind of like how Batman in the Dark Knight came around. Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Bringing it full circle because I know this is kind of corny, but in Batman Begins, they were talking about as man, as a man, basically you'll be, it's, you know, diamond dozen, but if you're a symbol, you'll live on forever. You'll become a legend. And so that's, that's the way I viewed everything. You were here through a very interesting time because you did. You literally got to see what it was like being in the Mountain West, and you also got to see (laughs) life Mm -hmm. in the Mm Pac-12 as well. And it's continued to grow Mm -hmm. since you left. You know, what? looking back on those Mountain West days to those early Pac-12 days to where the the school and the program is now, you know, what are you thinking? Man, when we were were in the Mountain West, I remember that was my first year and I got injured and I remember getting pounded by TCU. I was like, Lord have mercy. I hope this doesn't happen every year. That run that TCU had during that period, yeah. though. Oh, my God. Crazy. They were phenomenal. Yeah, they were. So good. Yeah. I was like, dang, this is a doggone good team. <laughs> and then we lost to Boise that year, too. But they had a phenomenal but team. Bo- Boise's the same way. They, they, Titus Young, yeah. Kellen Moore, mm-hmm. Austin Pettit. I was like, these dudes are legit. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, going to the Mountain West and having our um, transition into Pac-12, you know, it was so cool because I remember the first year we were in the Pac-12. We should have went to the Pac-12 South Championship. Right. But, unfortunately. One field goal away. I'm not going to say nothing. I didn't say <laughs> sure. it. I, I didn't say it. it. I, I said, said it. it. She I said, said it. it. Michelle uh, said it. Michelle said it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, things didn't happen our way. And uh, we didn't end up going. But the transition was pretty cool because, like, we had our aches and pains. And then when we finally got going, I think people was like, okay, let's keep this engine running. And so now – they're just taking it to a whole nother level. I'm like, dog, oh man, I love seeing it. Like, I'm a huge fan and I love talking trash to everybody in Texas. Because before people outside of like in the South and stuff like that were like, Utah, like they have like a frowny face towards it. But now they're like, every time they see my sweater, oh, Utah, Utah, and there's more clout to it. And so I'm um, seeing them transition and you know, basically having the success they are having and continuously gonna have, man, is 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 dope. I mean, I'm I'm not even gonna lie, I'm a true fan. Now as a kid who grew up in Texas, by and large, you know about the high school scene down down there. Yeah, so so I I was born in Texas and uh-huh. I moved from Texas when I was four and I was raised in California. Texas, California, but Texas football is different. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. These doggone stadiums and schools is universities. Uh-huh. I was like, Jesus Christ! And they live and breed football, and I'm like, this is different down here. And so, yeah. The, so you, you, you've also experienced high school in California as mm-hmm. well. So you've seen two of the hotbeds yeah. in terms of recruiting talent. Mm-hmm. And you live down in the Houston area now, yeah. and you're seeing all that going mm-hmm. on. Now, when it comes to the recruiting process, how has it changed from your time? Like you talked about being recruited right. by Aaron Roderick mm-hmm. versus now you're, you're involved with younger athletes these yeah. days. How has it changed? For me, I feel like, and this is not a bad thing, but – I feel like back in the day, because we didn't have social media or the internet, you really had to go out there and work to mm-hmm. get attention. Like you had to, like you you didn't have time to just sit up and behind your phone. Like you had to actually build relationships with these guys. Go to camps. That exactly. Type of stuff. Yeah. All that. And I think that's what's changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, but it also, it helps the student athletes nowadays because they're able to yeah. market themselves a little bit easier. So back in my day, uh, when I, so <laughs> I'm aging myself again. Um, <clears throat> my sophomore year, uh, when ESPNU came out with the top 150 list and I was on it, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, cool. <clears throat> my product is amazing right now. So what I'm going to do, I created an Excel sheet. Well, it was a paper and it had columns. Yeah. And I went online and I went with the staff directory, directory, got all the coaches' names, contact information, everything. 
and I rec- filled out every recruiting questionnaire from all Division One schools. And weekly and biweekly, I will follow up with them. Send my DVD. Okay. All <laughs> right. DVD. I can't right. believe I'm saying that. No, but I that's what it was D- at that time. Yeah. <laughs> send my DVD out to them. Um, and and it's crazy because every time I received a letter, I will follow up on the email with them. And so basically, I was acting as a salesman when I was you know coming up in the recruiting process because I feel like the more opportunities I I wanted, then I need to go out there and do it myself. I can't let my coach or if I wanted to be a top, like have all these opportunities, I need to own it myself. And so um, nowadays it's a little easier um, for for recruits in regards to like social media and they need to leverage, you know, building relationships with, mm-hmm. you know, individuals such as yourself in the media. Because one thing I always tell them, if you build a relationship with someone that's writing these articles, these coaches see it. So if your name's in this article, obviously you must be some type of talent. Sure. And then once they look at your name and they go to your huddle profile, or your Twitter or Instagram or whatever, you just got to make sure your film is good. So um, I always tell them to leverage that piece. And then when you are having attention from schools, put it out there because now coaches be like, oh, shoot, I wonder why they offered him. And they get curious. And then the more curious become, people flock to it. I'm like, hey, find out about him. See what, what's going on. Why everybody going over there to him? And so kids nowadays have it a little bit easier they don't have to put foot to the pavement. Mm-hmm. Um, they can kind of hide behind a phone. But the ones that are the, the better ones, they do go out and they do market themselves. They do build relationships instead of doing that. So um, that's what's changed in regards to the recruiting layout. It's more behind the phone rather than, you know, building those interpersonal relationships in person. Kind of to that point, you know, Utah's very well known for its family atmosphere mm-hmm. the the building relationships yeah. and and some of that kind of stuff talk about that culture yeah man it's amazing i have to give super kudos to coach scally um because that's when i first like witnessed it in regards to like the relationship building and the importance of it because every summer we would go down to a cabin out in park city area for mm-hmm. a leadership and it was a leadership council and i remember we would go in a group and he would have an individual you know, somebody get in front and everybody will say their perspective about that player, like and giving them constructive criticism on what they can approve on, how we see him, how we view him. And I just remember one time, you know, I told you a story before when we were talking about Keith McGill <clears throat> and he was a five star athlete and people's perspective of him wasn't the right perspective, mainly because he wasn't open enough in, right. in the beginning. And that's because we didn't make him comfortable enough to be open. And so that barrier um, soon became a bridge when we got to this point and began having them open up. And I remember Coach Scally said, as as we were giving him constructive criticism, he said, how are we supposed to be a family? How are we supposed to be a brotherhood if you guys don't even know his daughter's name? And we were like, oh, he has a daughter? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, how are we supposed to be a family? And you don't know his, you know, so that's why, like, I took it upon myself, like, after that. I was like, man, I need to know something about everybody on my team. And I remember there was an article, someone asked me, like, literally, uh, some they was like they went down the roster and was yeah, like hey yeah like yeah. do you know something about and I went down the roster because I felt like that was super important to connect because as a leader of a team you want to know what triggers your person like if someone's down in the game I need to know what I can get you to get you prep back up you know what I'm saying and so like if someone sees me like dress you know um I remember I had a bad game I forgot what game it was uh it was UCLA game and I dropped the pass and uh, he came over to me, man, like, hey, man, brush it off. And he just gave me that pep talk. And he, he said something that triggered me and drove me. I was like, okay, you're right. And it clicked me back in, right? And so I believe connection is super important. And, and Morgan Scali was like a key component to that in regards to like where we are right now because we're continuously um, building those relationships with our teammates. Now, oh, go ahead, Michelle. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, interestingly enough, because you were one of the first players I ever – like covered extensively Ooh. yeah 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 and uh talk about I, building relationships yeah. right the media. yeah That's for dope. sure yeah. and uh one of the things that always impressed me the most about you mm-hmm. was how you interacted with people mm-hmm. and being so new into the media area and kind of not knowing what to do because i didn't go to school for that like right. this was just uh I guess I'm going to try this right mm-hmm. now sort of thing. Yeah. But I was like, I always felt like and tried to model what I did off of what you did and how mm. you interacted with people because I yeah. thought it worked and it connected with people. I appreciate and strangely it. enough, it's worked for me. Yeah. <laughs> Relationships is everything. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things we always say is connection is currency. 
And and I truly believe that because there's so much value in it. Like, I literally, genuinely, when I ask somebody, like, man, how you doing today? Like, I really want to know how you doing. Yeah. Like, even if you feel down, it's like, it's cool. Like, bro, I feel down too. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I just try to be empathetic and meet people where they are. I think that's the, the crucial thing. And I think what helped me in my maturation process was getting injured multiple times. Mm-hmm. Because that, that ego and pride that I had initially coming in, you know, to Utah, I was like, oh, yeah, three years and I'm out. You know what I'm saying? That's my that was my mindset. But that's most uh, any athlete you ask them mm-hmm. going, like, three years I'm going to the league. Yep, and that's it. I didn't care about building no relationship with no teammates. I didn't care about none of that. I was like, I'm worried about myself. I was very I or me driven. And <laughs> the universe was like, look, I'm going to humble you. And it did. And and I'm glad it did because it showed me and gave me a bigger perspective on, you know, what's really important. And what's really important is I'm having relationships outside of yourself and, and connecting with people. Now, you talk about Coach Scally. Obviously, he connects mm-hmm. your era to the current era because he's still yeah. on staff out there. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about kind of the present and the future for Utah here in just a minute. So we'll mm-hmm. take a break. We'll come back, get your thoughts on that. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FMD, KSL Sports Zone. Boom. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I like this. Someone in their feelings? <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> Got a date tonight? <laughs> this is awesome. Well, hey, welcome back to the Saturday show. Boy band's day, okay? It's, it's okay. I'm okay with this. I just, I'm, I'm kind of like, who's in their feelings right yeah, now? <laughs> we got Michelle Fodkin. I'm Jake Edge. That's Kenneth Scott over there, uh, guest hosting today. That's the reaction I wanted, by the way. Okay. I'm sure right. you did. I'm about to start singing. And see, here's the thing. Like, uh, you do Jake and Ben, and I love when you play. So most people don't know. You might know this. Sarah's a big country fan. So she'll, she'll put country. Really? Yeah. I am a big country fan. I grew up in Florida, which some people don't consider the South, but where I lived, <laughs> I consider the South. What? Tampa. Tampa. It's beautiful over there. Yeah. Tampa. Yeah. But she's a big nice. country fan, and her, her two of us, Jake and Ben, uh-huh. are not country guys at all. So their reaction every time she plays country music is just classic. <laughs> that, I, that's the same thing with me. I'm like, eh. <laughs> You're living <laughs> in Texas. You're living in Houston now. So. They be playing country. Oh, yeah. Funny story. I'm sorry okay. to get off. No, you're fine. So my freshman year, I was roommates with all uh, Texas boys. It okay. was Kobe Hale, Mike Walker, and Terrell Reese. And so we all had our own individual rooms, mm-hmm. and Terrell's Re- Terrell Reese's wall is on the opposite side, bedroom is on the opposite side of my wall. And so every night, literally, I'm not joking, every night, just so he can go to sleep, he would be playing country music through the TV, and that's all I heard every night for the first <laughs> that's what year. That's put him to sleep? That's, yes, okay. country music. And I could just hear him laying down in bed singing, and I'm like, Lord have mercy. <laughs> So I'm kind of traumatized. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, that that's not me. <laughs> but I, I do enjoy say, some country music. That like reminds me of the scene from, uh, what was it? Remember the Titans? Oh, yeah, yeah, Man. They're going to put me in. <laughs> the guy's looking like, what are you playing? What are you like, doing? I'm like, come on, bro. Come on. I need to go to sleep. Interesting. Country music to unwind. That's an interesting concept uh... to me. But. Welcome back to the Saturday <laughs> show. So that's a great way to start this segment, actually. Talking about your time at Utah, obviously. Yeah. So, Kenneth, I-, I wanted to talk to you about kind of the present and the future for Utah. And yeah. obviously, they're coming off back-to-back Pac-12 titles, mm-hmm. back-to-back Rose Bowl berths. I want to start there with you, though. Yeah. 
when you came to Utah, we already talked about the fact you made the transition from Mountain West to the mm-hmm. Pac-12. Obviously, every year you're going to have a goal as a program. Right. That, hey, we have a chance to make the Rose Bowl here. Then the college football playoff comes along. Mm-hmm. You make all those type of goals. How cool is it for you as a Ute alum now to have watched the program you bled, sweat, and yeah. played for make it back-to-back Rose Bowls and have back-to-back Pac-12 titles? It's a beautiful thing, you know, seeing the, the trajectory in which we're going. You know, I love it every time. So I'm always on the recruiting side. It's like, okay, who we getting this year? Who can I <laughs> okay. who can I swindle to see, see you know, hey, man, look at Utah. Drop a comment, DM or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm very, you know, in tune with what, you know, we're trying to accomplish, who we're trying to get and things of that nature because, you know, I want the best for Utah, you know. So that's the only way I can give back. But uh, I think good things are going to be happening on the horizon. Um, we just got to maybe tweak a little things mm-hmm. to get us over that edge to be really dominant. Now, uh, I'm, I'll let Michelle wait. I just want one question on this. Mm-hmm. We were talking in the break about, like, wide receivers. Right. And, like, getting exposure to wide receivers, you got to catch passes. Right, right. Cam Rising – in my opinion, is the best quarterback Utah's had in their Pac-12 era. Yeah, I'm biased because I'm, you know, I, 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 Travis I, Wilson's my best I friend, know, Travis so I'm biased. Is, is, is yeah. you too. And I'd say Travis is probably number two on my list love, right there. Yeah, I love and, But you, you kind of said it in the break as well. At times, it can feel like Utah, the way the offense right. is structured, can hold a wide receiver back from getting the exposure they need. Mm-hmm. What is it going to take, in your mind, to yeah. take the shackles off, I guess, to use that expression, for Utah's wide receivers to be able to go out mm-hmm. and have the exposure they need to be, I guess, make it a place where wide receivers right. more apt to go. Yes, yeah, why make it wide receiver friendly. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when you look back in tenure, you know, even from the Alex Smith days, mm-hmm. you know, you had Steve Savoy, you had Paris Warren, sure. you had John Maddock, like you, these receivers. You know your history, by the way. Oh, I, yeah, I, I was I studying. This. When 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 Coach Rod, like, told me who, who I compared to, I was like, okay, let me see and, and go in, yeah. in depth in history. But when I look back at those offenses – like Steve and Paris, I mean uh, Paris and mm-hmm. um, and Steve Savoy, they had a thousand yards. Mm-hmm. Like the, John had like five, six hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you go into okay, now the you know the David Reed, the Freddie Brown, sure. the the Braden Godfrey year, the mm-hmm. Kendrick Moai. Like mm-hmm. those years, their passing attack was there. Mm-hmm. Like and it was more of we're leaning on our passing you know game rather than the, the run game. Even though the run game was good with Masiata, Eddie Wide, and, and Castillo and all them. And so I feel like, you know, to answer the question moving forward, I think we, in order for us to get over that edge, we do need to give our receivers more exposure in the passing game to take the pressure off of having to run the ball more, having to rely on our tight ends more. It's not like we don't have talented receivers. We have talented receivers. It's just that what I used to tell people all the time is that, you know, when they would downplay our receivers, I'm like, well, how how do you expect a receiver to get 100 yards or even 50 at that point? So I'll, I'll use me as an example. How do you expect me to at least get 50 yards a game mm-hmm. if I only get three, four targets and the only route I'm running is a 10-yard stop route? Okay. Like, how do you expect me to – you know what I'm saying? So, like, even though for me I'm being efficient, mm-hmm. you know, my, my my routes that I'm running are efficient and I'm, they're converting first downs, but on the stat sheet it doesn't look like game-breaking plays being made. And so I think – but it moves the needle in regards to getting us more possessions to run the ball. And so from that perspective, it's like, yeah, I'm efficient at what I'm doing. Like, I'm catching majority of my passes and moving the sticks, but on the stat sheet it looks like, oh, he's just an average Joe. But in reality, it's like, no, nah, I'm making do with what I have. But, you know, I, so when I think about, you know, where we could go, it's just, you know, making it more wide receiver friendly. And that will draw more recruits because nowadays, you know, especially with all this Big 12 talk, if you look in the Big 12, some high-powered offenses. That's their rep, yeah. Exactly. And so it's like that's where the game is going to nowadays. And so for us, for the future, we have a good quarterback and we're going to continuously be developing. We're going to have a great line. We're always going to have a great line because Coach Harding is an amazing coach. We're going to have great running backs. His Q is an awesome coach. And, uh, and the quarterback position is going to be good. And the tight end position, because of the is always going to be good too now, at least for the next three, four years. And so I feel like if we open it up a little bit more just to give our receivers some more exposure, like I think it will make the offense move better. You know, and mm-hmm. make it more effective and open up everything for everything else. So, um, so that's what I'm. I'm hoping. I'm a big advocate for that. Hopefully, in the future, it's not like we don't have the talent. I just feel like if we can open it up a little bit more, you know, just so that they can be able to, you know, reap the benefits. You know, because I look at a guy like, 
you know, solo. You know what I'm saying? Solo, Devon Ville. Uh, yeah, in, in Money Parks. Yeah. It's like, those are some talented guys. You know, they they can run. They can spin it. Even, you know, uh, Makai. That's one of my – I don't know why. I just love Makai. Like, I just, his body type, the way he uses – I just – I don't know why. But uh, I love Makai. Um, I just feel like if we can give him more opportunities, just like how – Money Parks did with the limited opportunities in the USC game and how he did what he did with mm -hmm. it. Just imagine if he would have got 10 passes a game. And I remember, and I'm sorry I'm going for a tangent. <laughs> you're fine. This is I why you're here, by the way. <laughs> but I remember there, I was watching the game, and they gave analysis of Brent Keithy and Dalton Kincaid mm -hmm. post and pre-injury of Keithy. We all thought Kincaid was a good player. Good. But we didn't say he was a great, great, great player until he started getting more passes and targets. Yeah. Right, and but he's always been the same, Dalton Kincaid. He's always been great, but because he didn't have that much exposure as far as targets, people diminished his his value because he wasn't getting targeted. But as soon as you give him more targets, now it's like, oh, he's great. No, 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 he's always been great. You just finally now giving him the ball like he deserves. So I think um, that's that's one of the things with the receivers. And if you look back in previous history, our receivers. Like a receiver, like I remember when Drez had the thousand yard year. Sure, then it was just him. Yeah. Drez averaged about ten to twelve. Targets a game. He was getting targeted heavily. Yeah, I, I, and I so, agree, yeah. so those are the outcomes you will get if you you know allow you know targets to go your receivers' way <laughs> in a friendly way. So, um, I believe that would be our next step. And if we can do that, sky's the limit for whatever we can do. Because Coach Galley on the defensive end, they're gonna have things locked down. Have you had an opportunity at all? Obviously, mm -hmm. you got to know Coach Bump a little bit. He's yeah. not here. Uh, he's gone gone mm -hmm. back to his alma mater. Have yep. you had an opportunity to talk with Alvis Wooded at all? No, I haven't, but I, I know his background, um, being with Wisconsin. You know, it's kind of it's cool to have him come along because, say, for instance, he came from a, a school that was a passing-type school, right? And he's coming here, and we're more of a – Big Ten type of school in mm -hmm. a way, like because we're run heavy, tight end dependent, and our receivers, yeah, they're gonna get the ball, but they're more of the five, six hundred yard year. But I think it, getting him is good because he understands the expectations of a type of offense we'll be running. So um, I looked at his background; he has a good background. He was with the Packers for a little bit, so he got had time with Devontae Adams. So skillfully, he he knows what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? So I'm excited to see what he does with our, our talented group. You know, we have some young players. I think we only have one senior. I think his name was uh, Gilmore or something like that, mm -hmm. um, number zero, I believe. Um, but everybody else is like juniors. So we're going to have another year or two. So I'm excited to see how he develops them because um, Money Parks is a baller. I love his speed. Um, I love uh, Vele, his body type. Uh, Makai, I, I just I love Makai. I don't know why, but uh, not Makai. Um, Makai Bernard? No, no, no. Uh, Cope. Cope. Yeah, there we go. Cope. cope. Yeah, okay, yeah. Cope. Yeah. Cope. Like, it's either Bernard or Cope. Yeah, right. cope. Yeah. yeah, I love Cope. I don't know what it yeah. is about him, but I just, I just, I can't wait to see what he, who he flourishes into once he, um, you know, gets into his rhythm. But, uh, but I think we have it there, and I'm excited for, you know, that hire. Now, I, I want to. So, Coach Whittingham's an institution. Mm -hmm. I, I think that at some point, whenever he decides to hang it up, mm -hmm. there will be a statue outside of Rice Cycle Stadium, as there should be. He, yeah, he's, without it, a doubt. He's just <laughs> he's brought this program so far. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned the fact that you think the future is bright for this program. There's a lot of stuff out there with yeah. regards to conference realignment. I just I'm using stuff because there's another word I'd like to use because but it's, it's not radio friendly. Let's put it that right. way. But uh but when it comes to that, you're a guy who's living down in Texas. That's, that's yeah. Big 12 and SEC country. Mm -hmm. If Utah were to to join the Big 12 in theory, you'd have a better chance of living in Texas to see them more readily. Right. But at the same time, they've dominated the Pac-12 here. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to see the future for Utah? Be? <laughs> I'm biased cuz I live in Texas sure. because I, so, I think, and especially in Houston, with Houston joining exactly, yeah. and I think being in the Big Twelve does have its perks because if you think about the dominant areas of recruiting, like California, Texas, Florida, mm -hmm. like if you're in the Big Twelve, you'll be able to have like it's hard for a Florida guy to come all the way out west to watch a game. But, Just ask Tyler Huntley. Come on now. <clears throat> I'm yeah, that's true. <laughs> but like, yeah, so like I think if we can, you know, settle in the middle ground to where. Because, man, even my kids that I coach at, Mike mm -hmm. Evans, Elite sure. 7 on 7, mm -hmm. they're always like, man, coach, can you take me to a Utah football game? I'm like, I'm looking at the schedule. I'm like, I don't know what games are close to here. you know. Sure. But being in the Big 12, I can give them access 
and also the coaches can lean on me for access to recruits. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, obviously within violet, I mean within you know uh, permissible recruiting per, per, contact. Yes. There we go. Yes, permissible recruiting contact. <laughs> I can be able to I bring them to games, right? Yes. Facilitate it and give them exposure to. Texas recruits, so I think it would be a big plus, especially because Texas is a hotbed, and the way our team is diversely, like uh, like a third was like California, Texas, Florida, like you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying, Utah. So I think being in the Big Twelve would have its perks because we'll be able to get more recruits coming out of those areas. Now, uh, so with regards to that, Michelle wrote a piece yesterday, and mm-hmm. she's not kidding. Like the, the reception of it was incredible. She had like we're talking the heavy hitters. Were, man, I gotta watch. I mean, read it, man. You, yeah. you need to go read it. She did a really Shoot. good job. I, I, <laughs> I, I read all this. It's my job. Yeah. It's what I do on day to day basis. I'm reading from both the Big Twelve side of things, the Pac twelve side of things, the national perspective on all this. But as as Michelle mentioned, is there are so many people out there, so many quote unquote sources saying mm-hmm. here, there, and everywhere about anything going on. Do you as, do you consume all that? Are you a guy that's because like, you mentioned like you you read about all these recruits and you're obviously like you're trying to help recruit guys to Utah right. as an alum. Do you read the same stuff like in terms of like what the future for Utah is? Are you reading all of this material <laughs> as well? Are you catching up yeah. on all that? Yeah, um, I am. I remember there were some talks about the Big Ten, but I'm like for us playing wise, we match up as far as Big Ten type of style of play, right? Sure. But I'm thinking from a recruiting aspect. It's like, eh, none of our recruits are going to want to watch the Utah versus Minnesota game. Like, you know, and so. <laughs> Come on, Utah Rutgers would be fun. <laughs> like, nobody <laughs> want to watch that. And well, then, anybody wants to watch Rutgers. Right. Huh. Like, that, nobody that, wants Maryland, that. Northwestern. Yeah, but, like, yeah. how cool would it be? You know, I just think, I don't know. I just think if we were to move, Big 12 would be good. I, mm-hmm. not saying we accomplished everything we needed to accomplish in the Pac-12, sure. but we kind of accomplished everything we need to be accomplished in a way, well, except been, for the Rose been Bowl. To, well, okay, you've been to the Rose Bowl, and Arizona's been to zero in their 40-plus years yeah. in the conference. Yeah. So you've done more than some of the schools in that right. conference. I get what you're saying. But yeah. Continue. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, we've done more than – but like I feel like, yeah, the only thing we have left to accomplish in the Pac-12 is kind of – going down in a way because we're already there mm-hmm. we already won Pac-12 championships consecutively like you mentioned with over other universities and I feel like man if we go to another conference obviously it's going to have what it's going to come with tweaks and stuff like that it's going to be some down years possibly getting adjusted to everything but that would be a good challenge for us because those are some past happy offenses like <laughs> and so that's going to be oh that's going to be a different thing because when it comes to like Pass happy offense in the Pac-12. Sometimes, sometimes we we ended up struggling. Sometimes, you know, especially if the rush doesn't get there and we're so heavy on, relying on the man-to-man back end. So it's like it's gonna have its perks. But um, I think we. Could, I want I want to go to the Big 12. Biasly speaking, uh, <laughs> just so I can go to Waco. I can go to Fort. Hey, you Worth, can go to Waco. Yeah, I can this go year. to Houston. Yeah, I'm going there. I'm going to be there. Ba- Baylor, for, Baylor, Utah. I know people don't like to to hear me say this, but I'm going there for BYU and Utah. Like well, you know, I was actually on a show this week out of Waco. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's called 365 Sports, and they actually asked me about the Utah game, and I'm like. You're gonna have a like they because they were asking because they know BYU they know reputation mm-hmm. of BYU traveling very well right. like well how in terms of Utah well they travel my they travel just they, they travel just like BYU yeah. you're gonna have a ton of red clad mm-hmm. Utah fans in Waco and they were like stunned that I would say that I'm like yeah it's true I I cover this day to day folks I know I know <laughs> I know <laughs> so Does anybody I know <laughs> so yeah so. I, I can see where you're coming from. We'll, we need to dive back into this. I've got a couple more questions about this. Okay. Michelle's, got, Michelle's got plenty. Uh, coming up next, we're going to do one of our staples here on the show. We typically we call it we call it technical fouls. Ooh. And what it is is we'll, we'll explain more. But we kind of we call it we, we reward people for being stupid in sports. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of dying, but <laughs> it's fun. We'll get to that next. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. 
personal file. 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show. It is time for technical fouls. As you just heard, you got Kenneth Scott, I guess, hosting with Michelle and myself here on the Saturday show. Now, uh, Kenneth, you have, of course, as a guy who played in college football, you've probably had your share of <laughs> dumb, stupid, hilarious moments that you look back on now. In the moment, they probably weren't fun, but stuff like that. Can you think of any of those off the top of your head? I that, can name one. Oh, do you have one? I can name one right off the <laughs> yeah, top I can of my name head. It. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> We'll see if it's the same one. I know it's the okay. same one. Let's see what just it is. by your look. So it was senior day. Okay. Yes. Uh, I was going to say, uh, okay, I know where this is going. Okay. And I was playing against my god brother, mm-hmm. who's a defensive back. So I get in the red zone. They throw a fade to me. And it's a passing interference call on him. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm talking my trash. Like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. But we're like joking around. Yeah. And the referee thought we were serious because he doesn't. He didn't know. He didn't know the relationship. So he yeah. threw the flag. And we were at the two-yard line uh-huh. with the pass interference. And yeah. so since I got a flag, it pushed us back out of field goal range. And then we ended up missing the field goal, I think, or something like that where we didn't capitalize on it. And Coach Witt and Coach Stubb was so, <laughs> were so mad at oh him. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, I was like, Coach, I was trying to explain myself. Like, Coach, I was just playing around. That's yeah. my god brother. And he was like, yeah, so it was bad. Okay, well, that's, a good, bad. that's a good technical foul. Like, it, it's I, funny now in the like now to look back on it, but say, yeah. in the moment, that's no fun. Because we know how Coach Witt can be oh in a game. God. So. And my god brother was just dying laughing. Like, he... I'm because my coach came on the field, like Stubblefield mm-hmm. came on the field, yeah. and so my god brother just coming up to me and laughing. I'm like, man, bro, this is not funny right now. <laughs> this is not funny. It's not funny. <laughs> I'm in trouble now. <laughs> you yeah, you're probably much. running after that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're playing too much right now. <laughs> All right, Michelle, what do you got this week? Okay, so I don't know if any of you have paid a whole lot of attention to the XFL. Uh, I've actually been paying more than you might think. Yeah. So, oh. so the. F- First week, I think it was the DC Defenders. They are well known for the beer snake. Mm. That was a thing before 2.0 got shut down. Uh, It was always on the TV. They reprised Beer Snake. Yeah, Uh, the first fan traditions. You got to build them. Yeah, without a doubt. Fan tradition. Well, apparently, the first game, security took Beer Snake away. Correct. Oh. Yes. And somehow, all these fans had whole lemons that they were throwing on the field. <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't like like a few lemons. It no. was like a lot of lemons. Yeah. A lot of lemonade I, being made. Uh, I mean, so the sideline reporter interviewed the fans asking... The only question she asked was, why was the beer snake taken away? And I'm like, that's not the question. The question is, where did the lemons come from? Did you ever, I, I know where true. they came from. Where did they come from? I never so heard. They apparently at, so they play where DC United, the MLS soccer team, that's uh-huh. their home field. Apparently they have like a gourmet lemonade. lemonade. Like, so oh. they put lemon, the lemon is in like the lemonade. So people who had. Oh. So, okay. I was okay. just like. Did someone just walk in what, with a pack of well, lemons? Wow. And it, what it reminded me of is, it, remember a couple of years ago with Tennessee when their fans got mad and started throwing literally anything they could get their hands. The guy had threw a, 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 a mustard bottle onto the field at, at Tennessee. <laughs> like, who carries a mustard um, bottle? Lane Kiffin <laughs> caught a golf ball that oh. was thrown from the stands oh, in that game. Like, boy. That, boy, Lane Kiffin. I've been to Knoxville that in that stadium. It's 100,000 people, and they were throwing anything they could get their hands on. There was a mustard bottle on the field. Lane Kiffin still held on to the – he carried the golf ball out of like the stadium. He still has Souvenir. probably to this day. Well, he caught it. He literally caught it. Just man, one-handed, caught it barehanded. So it reminded me of that. But the, the beer snake is back. That's beer crazy. snake is back. But what made me laugh is there is a beer snake code of conduct. What? Yes, they, yes. they now have rules yes, for it. They, they released a beer snake code <laughs> wow. of conduct. That's, that's for, messed up. Like why they just take it away? For the for the safety of all fans, the beer snake will be permitted in sections one thirty six and one thirty seven contingent on fans what? following the game day code of conduct. No cups may be thrown from within the section or from outside in the section to join the wow. beer. Beer snake. All cups must be passed to location of beer snake uh-huh. to be added, or you may provide your cups to a defender's representative yep. who will bring the cups over to the beer snake. Wow. Only empty cups can be added to the beer snake. Well, Any that... throwing of cups or other projectile objects within the seated area or onto the field of play are grounds for ejection. The cups from the beer snake must be properly disposed of in the stadium receptacle at the conclusion wow. of the game. Please drink responsibly. That beer snake <laughs> looks so cool. I'm looking it did up you, right now. Did you just one from this past week? Is it one from this past week? It went from the oh. bottom of the section to the top. 
they 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 made. I think this is it. Yeah, the biggest one they had ever made, and it's it's gigantic. But yeah, the, the code of conduct, the the I fan just, backlash to get it to come back. It just, I just think that's cool. Yeah, it is cool, but. The code of conduct just uh, really cracked me up. I was wow. like, that is incredible. We must spell That's this legit. out in rules. <laughs> like, <laughs> dang. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's so good times. All right, Sarah, what do, you, what do you got for us this week? All right, mine's on a little more serious note, so okay. sorry to put a damper on the mood. Thanks. But um, <laughs> FC Barcelona, mm-hmm. the national or international football team, is being charged with corruption um, for allegedly making payments to a company owned by the Vice president of the referee committee, now ex vice president, mm-hmm. over like 8.4 million euros Woo! over the course of 2001 to 2018. Now, the, so this obviously goes to the integrity of soccer in that the La Liga where they play. There are allegations that he may have had influence on stuff like that, but the, it, this is a really bad look. But yeah, here's the thing can I, you pay much attention to soccer? Not too much. Only when one of my favorite, like Messi or sure, <laughs> but it is the most corrupt sport on the planet. Really, like that FIFA, like the one, that, the international organ, the committee uh-huh. that runs like internet, the World Cup and stuff. Yeah, they had the FBI break down their doors in in Switzerland and put them. This is go back five or six years what? over financial like fraud allegations and stuff. This sport, That's crazy, up and down the board has all, always has drama. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's it's it's. All related money, really. Like they're paying oh. off the, the vice president of the referees association in La Liga, Manchester City. Who uh, Erling Holland, who's one of the f- future superstars of the mm. sport, they're in England. They just got charged with over a hundred different uh, like charges of financial impropriety by the English Holy. Premier League, and they're the best team in the league like, historically the last ten years. Dang. Like <laughs> that's crazy. So I guess yeah. for me, this is like this is more of the same. Yeah, everything's coming out of the woodworks. 8.6 euros? How much is 8, that? 8.4 million euros. That's somewhere north of 10 million American. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Yeah, lot crazy. Of money. Now, I got one more. A lot of people probably expected us to bring up Fred Van Vliet uh, from the Toronto oh, Raptors, Raptors this week. Uh, here's the thing. I loved how he delivered his message. He it, went off. He, he, he went off. But I, so I, I, with DJ and PK, we were talking about this. He went off, but he also did it in such like a measured, calm tone. Yeah, he's like, "They're bleeping this up." Like he was. He was. He was super, super calm yeah. about it all. He got fined thirty thousand dollars, and he's making. I think we looked at twenty one point two million That's this like year. Ten bucks. Exactly. He's, he's, like, he's like, I said my piece. Here's the money, and we'll call it. Yeah, a day. I'm done. Man, what if they like donated all the fines to like a little program? Well, they, and... the, the, I understand that the NBA does do that. The, oh, the, really? The, the fine money goes to the NBA's charities. I don't know what the. Oh, that's good. So all the all the money they collect, like Mark Cuban back in the day from the Dallas Mavericks, when he's uh-huh. getting like five hundred thousand dollars fines for. Yeah. Apparently that all went to charity. I don't know what charity. That's cool. That's so. That's wow. the way I understand the NBA. If it hasn't changed since that era, they all that money that collected fine wise. Technical fouls, like wow. whatever you all apparently goes into a pot to go to charity. So wow. kind of cool. All right. We'll come back. Uh, we got a fun giveaway to uh, hit up next. Uh, I'm not saying it's related to Kenneth Scott being here, but it also might be related. <laughs> it's also soccer related. We'll get to that. And also we need to get back into some of the conversation just about what Utah's doing right now in your mm-hmm. mind as a guy who's a former alum. We'll get to all that. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.